What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 79 presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am super excited that today is our Metropolitan Division preview episode and this right here this is Frankie Mueller and he's super excited to the point where he didn't even wear anything Metropolitan Division related on his head. What are you doing? No, but I'm wearing colors from your team. Ah. And my team. Okay, so, okay. I like that. These are the two most recent divisions we touched on. Absolutely. So I'm super excited to get into the show. There is nobody that I would rather bring on this show to help us get going with our Metropolitan Division-themed episode than Dan Rice. Dan covers the PHF for the Ice Garden, and of course he is the official insider, beat writer for Pucks and Pitchports of the Fan Side and Network. Dan, how you doing? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. How are you guys doing today? Great. Doing pretty good. Dan, you're covering the New Jersey Devils this season. A lot of things, a lot of storylines following this team. It's been kind of up and down wave for the last couple years. Everything starts and ends with number 86, Jack Hughes. What have you seen from him so far in this preseason? Uh, I've kind of seen all I needed to see of him. I, I, I don't. You know, I, I'm sure he'll play at least one more game here. Um, but I, I don't want to – I don't know if I want to risk him really getting hurt because he looks like he's on his game. He's He hasn't maybe put up the, the goals, the points. Um, but he's he's been getting loose. He's been creating opportunities. Um, he looks like, you know, he's taken a, a little bit of another step from last season. Um, and, you know, there's – I don't want to say there's a lot of pressure on him, but there's definitely some some pressure on him to be that guy that turns this around, right? Like to to be that the the guy that like all right, you know, we all saw a couple of years ago with the the Taylor Hall season where he won the MVP. Like he he was driving the bus and everybody else was kind of just you know riding along. They were all solid complementary players, no doubt, but like it was they went as far as he, he was going to take them and, you know, they made it to the playoffs that year and it took all the whole season, you know, like they, they got, I think it was game 80 game 81 where they clinched the playoff spot. So um, Hughes is obviously a lot younger. Um, he's still a, a developing player. He's still a little bit of a kid. Like he's not really a, a, a man yet. Like he doesn't have that, that bulk yet where, um, you know, and, and Tom general manager, Tom Fitzgerald has said this, like, just, just wait, like, just, you know, everybody wants to judge like right now, but like, and too often in, in sports nowadays, we, we, you know, we judge guys really quickly and then kind of pass them aside and they're um, when they're really young and, and, you know, just because they've played a few years in their career and um, just imagine what type of player Jack Hughes is going to be like in three, four or five years from, from now, like, um, I think he's going to be in the upper echelon of, of NHL players like, a, um, you know, with the Austin Matthews and, and, and that kind of tier of players. Um, and I, I think the future is really bright. It's just sometimes the, the road is, is long and winding to get to where you want to go. And um, but he's, he's going to be the guy that's going to take them um, to that next level, I think, anyway. Yeah, Jack Hughes' ceiling is definitely very high. I think he's going to be one of those players as well. However, one of the biggest, I should say, holes that I saw or flaws from the Devils last season was their goaltending. However, Blackwood in the preseason this year 
he's looked pretty decent. He's looked okay, not too bad. They also have Vanacek um, as well. Do we have a little bit of a starting goalie controversy on our hands, do you think? Or who's who do you think is going to start? Or what's what's going to happen? You know, I, I, I've thought about it a little bit, um, especially after the other night when, uh, when uh, granted, it was Boston's, like, AHL mostly team. It was it was definitely their B team. Um, but Banasek was, was really good the other night. And Blackwood has been, in, in my opinion, he's been really good for, you know, what we saw of him last year compared to what we've seen, granted, again, preseason games, not always best competition, not always the, the highest level, but um, he was tested pretty pretty well uh, in the Ranger game, I think it was, where he faced something like 15, 17 shots in the first period, and, and he came out of it, like, he made some really good saves. I was impressed. Like, that's kind of what I want to – I look for in, like, preseason. Like, I'm not really looking at the, the overall results, but, like, how do you do in, in the pockets of the game where it's – we are being outshot 17 to three or whatever it is. And, and I thought Blackwood held up really good. And and the other night, Vanisek, um, there were a couple of times where the devils maybe weren't on their P's and Q's on defense and Boston, you know, got some, some really good prime quality chances. And, and he was able to, to, to stand up and make those saves. And um, that was something that we would see last year, maybe where, you know, they would have a one nothing lead early in the game and, you almost kind of felt when they got to the, the last 10 minutes of the third period, you're like, you're sitting at the edge of your seat because you know something's going to happen, and it's usually not going to be something good. Um, there were those rare instances where, and in, in the Dallas, the game in Dallas always kind of comes to mind where it was like, that game, they really didn't do anything, and then all of a sudden, the last five minutes, they turned it on, and um, Nico and, and Zetterlund kind of willed them to that victory. But, you know, for the most part last season, that, that was an issue where the goaltending and the team around them wasn't necessarily up to par. Um, I'd be fine if, if both goalies played, you know, split it right down the middle, 41 starts each. Um, you know, you want to do 42, 40, something like that. Like that's fine by me too. But I think both guys are kind of young. They're still kind of developing goaltenders. Again, like I mentioned before, you know, we, we kind of, oh, this Blackwood's been in the league for a while now. Like he should be uh, um you know, a, a top tier guy, but like, he's still a young guy. Like he's still developing. I'm sure he's still learning about his game and, and what works and what doesn't work and um, adapting to the league as the league adapts every year. Right. So um, I'd, I'd be fine with them splitting it evenly. And, and I'm, I'm sure it'll be something like that barring injury, obviously. Um, and if Bernier somehow finds his way back into a playing a, a capability the, the ability to play again then you kind of deal with that problem as, as you get to it but I, i'd be fine with seeing those two guys just split that evenly you touched on zetterland a little bit it kind of seems like he's fighting for that last roster spot obviously somebody like jesper boquist also going for it as well what's your prediction on you know the 12th 13th forward on this team as the season draws near yeah you know and, and you know i was kind of talking with somebody about it the other night at, at the rink. And I think it just, it, unless they make a deal that we don't see coming, like something comes up, somebody gets hurt and somebody needs a forward and they, they end up trading one out. I think it's just going to end up being the guys that are waiver eligible being sent down. Like, I don't think they're going to try and sneak anybody through. Um, uh, you know, I think somebody, uh, I, I could be, you know, mistaken, but if it was on Twitter or not, but somebody was saying like, uh, oh, they're going to send, like, Brendan Smith down. And I'm like, well, they didn't 
you know, I know sometimes things happen, but like you don't sign those kind of guys to to just jettison them down, maybe down to the minors if nobody claims them. Um, I, I think he's a guy that's going to be, you know, he's he's going to be a part of the team, um, and and that means I guess you know guys like Ball and and Zetterlin, Holtz too maybe like uh, they they may end up just starting the season down in Utica and. I'm, I'm of the opinion that's not the worst thing in the world, right? Like I, and I, I think I wrote this in the, my recent article on pucks and pitchforks about Sutherland. Like I may, I've said in the past, like he should be on the opening night roster, but it doesn't matter in the long run. Like he's going to be in the NHL at some point this season, whether it's opening night or two weeks from now or a month from now, um, him and, and guys like Holtz, like they're going to be at this level at some point injuries happen uh, especially, you know, Devils fans know that more than, than maybe some other teams. Uh, they've definitely gone through their share of, of injury problems, and that's kind of contributed, too, to uh, this string of horrible seasons that we've had to sit through. But um, I, I like to try and, in my older age, I'm trying to be a little bit more optimistic. And I think, you know, if, if they can get a marginally healthy season, um, they should, you know, be at least in contention for to play some meaningful games. But those guys, I think, like I said, I, I think they'll be in the league at some point, whether it's opening night or not. I, I don't know. But um, if I had to guess, I'd say all the waiver eligible guys get sent down and, and you just kind of work from there. I think that if this devil team wants to be competitive and successful this season, they really have to try and stay as healthy as possible. I know we touched on Jack Hughes a little bit, a little earlier, but how important is, is it for him to stay healthy over anybody else on this team? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, maybe five games, 10 games, they can sustain something, you know, some, some level of respectability without him. Um, I I do believe they have a good team. That's not just a one player team, but um, he does so many good things and draws the attention of the defenders uh, where it frees up other guys to, have seasons like like a Jesper Brad had last season, and you know part of that is, is you know Brad being a good player who's developing. Um, again, like we just kind of spoke about everybody here, like he's another guy where he, he's young and still kind of developing. But um, you know part of his success is also like people are like oh crap, Jack Hughes is coming down the ice with the puck against me. Like I have to be on you know I have to be on point and. And maybe you're focused a little bit more on him and, and somebody, be it Brad or anybody else, sneaks in the side and, and Jack is good enough where he can he can make those passes. And, um, you know, I always thought he was going to be more of a goal scorer. And obviously Jack has got a great shot and he can score goals. But um, I look at him now and, and I think, like, this is a guy that he, he might be able to put up, like, 60, 70 assists, like, if guys can finish. Um, we've seen glimpses of that with, with Sharon Govich, with Brat, with, with other guys. And um, uh, hopefully we see a lot of it with Palat. You know, uh, I, I feel like um, that, that can be a combination that can work for hopefully the, the length of Palat's contract, at least uh, for uh, five years. Right. So, uh, yeah, but but having Jack Hughes in the lineup for, you know, out of 82 games, you want him to play at least 72 to 76 games and and hopefully Nothing that keeps him out is, is a major thing that, like, you know, guys play hurt in this league all the time, and it's just a matter of 
um, when they, they can't play with that pain anymore. And, and you hope it doesn't get to that point with, with anybody, uh, but especially Hughes. Yeah, you touched on Brett a little bit. He's obviously going to benefit from playing with Jack Hughes, whether it be at five on five or on the power play. There, there, there's going to be times where 63 and 86 are on the ice at the same time, and it's going to benefit both of them individually because they're both great players. But Jesper led the team in scoring last year. I think we would all agree that if this season goes as planned with health and performance-wise, he would probably end up being second or third on the team in scoring. But do you think he could top what he did last year? It's it's all task, right? And and that's that's the ultimate question, I think, as to why they weren't able to hammer out a deal. It's um, you know this this new era of the NHL with with the salary cap and the way contracts are handed out. It, it, a lot of it is uh, you're you're banking on that a guy is going to keep progressing, right? And uh, but not not every player does that, and and that's the ultimate. Like I, I don't know if that was. You know, I don't have any inside sources on the negotiations or anything like that. This is just me speaking from my opinion of, of knowing um, a little bit about, a, a, you know, a thing or two. Um, you know, it, it's probably like they, they said, that's great. You, you put up a monster year, career highs across the board. But can you do it again? Can you do it again and again and again when, you know, maybe now teams are going to pay a little bit more attention to you. Maybe you caught guys off guard a, a little bit last season. Um, there, there's all those factors that play into it. And um, I, I wonder, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure I've written it at some point, like he was a 30-point guy for three straight seasons, right, or 30 to 40 points. And then you had this big explosion. Um, does it continue if you change the coaching staff? Does it does it affect him in any way? Like you bring in new players, does that does that affect um, you know in a good way or or, or a negative way? Um, so it's an interesting question uh, of why they didn't sign him to a long term deal and he's playing on a kind of prove it deal. Um, I think he can replicate it with the team around him, uh, with guys like Mercer and and. Uh, Nico and Jack, obviously, and the defense that they have, the, the power play that they we think that they can have this season. I think he can do it again, um, but I'm not. I wouldn't. You know, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and guarantee that that he's going to be a 70 point player for the next five years. Like, um, I, I I can't say that with certainty. There's there's other players in the league that I would feel more comfortable saying that about. I guess. Yeah, I have a lot of faith in the Devils this year. Maybe I have too much, maybe, I, but I, I really think that there's something special going on with this team of young, talented athletes. But how did the devil surprise everyone and get to the postseason this year? Uh, you know, the first thing is you got to get out of your division, right? Or, or at least be in somewhat, in somewhat kind of contention. They, they need to get off to a good start. Um, too often, you know, we get to December and they're buried in the standings. Um, part of that is bad luck, injuries, COVID, whatever you want to say. And part of that is, you know, the teams in their division just got off to like white hot starts where it was, you know, the, whether it's the Rangers or the Capitals getting off to these, these hot starts. And um, they have to hope that maybe teams uh, like Pittsburgh, like Washington, maybe take a step back. And, and you have to look at those teams as, as maybe trying to jump over them, right? Like um, injuries happen every year. There's always a team that gets kind of beset by injuries. Um, you hope it's not you. And, 
you know, you don't want to see anybody hurt, but uh, if there is a team that's going to be beset by injuries, you hope it's maybe in your division uh, where it makes, you know, uh, it puts you in a more favorable favorable position to, to either win one of those top playoff spots or to be in a wild card spot. And, um, another spot, like I, I think, I think it seemed like Boston. Like I know they, they brought some guys back. Um, I wonder what their goaltending is going to be like. Um, and they're a team that's that's going to be banged up at least to start the season. Um, so maybe they, they end up dropping back. You know, and there's other teams, obviously, that have improved. I think Detroit is better. I think Buffalo is better. Uh, Ottawa is definitely going to be better. So that they're all kind of kind of jockeying for position in their division, but also those wild card spots too. So that's – I am not. I don't think the Devils are winning the division, but the path to, to getting into the playoffs is at least a hot start. Uh, not a lot of injuries, at least through the first month of the season, where you can kind of build up a little bit, a little bit of a cushion, something that, you know, the Devils haven't been in position to do in, in a really long time. Um, but you want to get off to a hot start, and, and um, I think they have to take care of business in the division when they play those games. Like, those are the most important games. The NHL schedule isn't necessarily doesn't, – doesn't indicate that because of the way that it's structured now where you play everybody and – you're only playing certain teams three times, and, and that's one more time than you're playing, like, the Seattle Kraken. I, it doesn't make sense to me, but but those division games mean so, so much. Like And, and that, that's where I really think they have to make hay. And um, and the Islanders, that's another team where I think the Islanders have a good goaltender. They have some good players, but I, overall I don't really – not a big fan of their roster, and I think that's a team where they can – they should be better than that team, I think, if, if all things being equal and, and nobody – um, nobody injured long term. You put their roster side by side. I, I, I think the Devils should be better, uh, but we'll see. Absolutely. And one player we didn't even touch on at all is Dougie Hamilton. And last season, he got off to kind of a an interesting start. He scored the first goal of the season, like a minute into the game against Chicago. But you know, from there he was playing okay, and then he got hurt, and it was obvious that he wasn't the same player with the thing over his face. I mean, I don't know if I'd be good at anything with that thing over my face. It just seemed like it threw everything off for him and coming back first year in a new market and, you know, just an entirely different situation playing for the Devils, much younger team. Um, coming into this year, though, you think about some of the forwards that he's going to be moving the puck up to. I mean, he, we're talking Jack Hughes, Dawson Mercer, Sharon Govich, Easter, all the brat, all the great players that Hamilton's going to be, you know, backing up this year. Do you think he could get back to being that top 10 defenseman in the NHL? Because, I have very high hopes for Hamilton this year. I like what I saw at the beginning of last year, another summer, knowing what team he's going to play for, no injury, hopefully. I like what, what he can bring. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting the same. I expect what we saw at the beginning of last season, maybe maybe even a little bit more with the, the added depth that the team has now. Um, I, I'm, I'm very confident that their power play is going to be a lot better, um, and I think that's where they're going to really make – their hay is, is, you know, they're going to make teams pay for taking penalties. And um, Hamilton is going to be a big part of that. He's going to be, you know, at the point with, with all that talent to pass the puck to. And um, he's a guy that, that showed before his injury, he's not afraid to shoot the puck. He was among the, the leading shot getters for the Devils. And, and I think it lasted for like maybe even a month after he started missing games um, that he had that big of a lead as a defenseman. Um and I remember at the very beginning of last season, I don't know if it was preseason or uh, the early stages, Lindy Ruff saying, um, 
that the team could learn a lot from from the, what Hamilton does when he gets the puck, especially in the offensive zone. He just puts it on net. Like, and too often we find uh, guys like whether it's Brad or Hughes or Sharon Govich, maybe they're a little too unselfish, or maybe they're, they're trying to make the you know the the end thing to do is is to make the the, the splashy pass. Um, but just put the puck on net. Like sometimes less is more, and and you create something else—a a rebound, a, a garbage goal, a tip in off of somebody's. Uh, you know, Devils fans know how many goals have gone in off their defenders, chins, butts, faces, you know, elbows, shoulders, um, double doinks, like all that. They they've they've we've seen it all. Like so, just sometimes less is more. Put the puck on net, and and Dougie does a great job at that. And. Um, again, I, I think the power play is going to be a, a, a real game changer for them this season if they can. Um, with I think you know a- Andrew Burnett's influence is going to be a, a big deal. I remember him playing, um, and he was a, always a, a power play guy and, and a very successful player. So uh, I'm very excited to see year two of, of Dougie Hamilton here. And, and like you mentioned, year two he's probably a little bit more comfortable, um, whether it's in his surroundings with the, the, the team, the the route to the rink, like all that stuff is, is just becomes a little bit more second nature. Um, and he knows some of the guys that have been brought in. I, I spoke to Hall. Hall mentioned playing with him uh, previously. So um, those things kind of go a long way, I think. And, and Hamilton's definitely primed for a big season. Yeah, um, I, I like how you touched on Andrew Burnett and Lindsey Ruff. Burnett was a big, big, interesting move that the Devils made this past um, off season, bringing him into the organization as an assistant. Is this Lindsey Ruff's, Lindy Ruff's team, or does the organization have something else planned for the future? Uh, as of now, it's his team, right? I mean, if they get off to a slow start, I think it's, it wouldn't be a surprise if, if they make a move or if there's whispers start going around, the seat is getting a little hot. Um, but you know, this is Fitzgerald's team. Like he, he handpicked this coach, right? To uh, specifically coach this, you know, core group of, of younger players to get them to develop and evolve. Um, you know, everybody likes to 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 rag on on certain players or coaches, right? And and I get that's that's kind of the way the world is is structured now. Um, but we often, you know, we're too quick to criticize and and. Um, don't take enough time to look at the other things. Like everybody, I guess what I'm trying to say is everybody's been very critical of Lindy Ruff. And then you have a, a player like his Jesper Bratt last season had the season that he had. Like if you don't think that Lindy Ruff as his head coach had some type of influence on that, now granted it's talent and, and skill and all that, but um, you know, he, he's played, like I mentioned four previous seasons, he put up 30 points, right? Uh, plays a full season finally and, and is almost a point-of-game player or just under a point-of-game player, just above. I forget where he finished, but, um, you know, I, I think he's a good developer of young talent. I mean, I, I remember him coaching Buffalo, and, and they didn't really have much, and, and all of a sudden they, they brought in Drury and um, Danny Briere, and they became a, an awesome team that was really good for a, a, a couple of good years there when they had Ryan Miller in goal as well. Um, then he goes to Dallas, and um, I think we kind of knew Tyler Sagan a little bit from Boston, but um, 
I believe that Lindy Ruff had a big influence on his development as well as Jamie Ben, who, you know, honestly, I didn't know who he was. And I'm a guy that I'm, I'm at 30 hockey games a season and, and I watch as many games as I can. And, you know, before Lindy Ruff got there, I didn't really know who Jamie Ben was. And, and I know who he is now. Um, and, and those those two players are kind of linchpins over there. And, and you know, I kind of I kind of look at that like that's how he's going to, you know, in five years from now, we're going to look back and we're going to be like, oh, you know, Jack and Nico are the, the kind of the, the pillars here, the devils. And they really developed under Lindy Ruff, whether he's coach here or not. Like, um, they, and, you know, and, and the players like him um, from talking to the players is, you know, the, the, and sitting through a couple of uh, other reporters asking questions like, um, do you think the coach should be back and those kind of things at the end of the season? Like the players seem to genuinely like him. Um, I feel like I'm a, I'm a good enough judge of when somebody's BSing and when they're not. And I felt like most of the players were pretty genuine with that at the end of last season. And they felt like they kind of let him down. And so I'm fine with, you know, as long as they don't get off to like a, a two and 14 start, like let's give them the season, see what happens with a full season, a full training camp where we're past the COVID stuff now. Right. Uh, everything's kind of back to normal. I don't think Jack Hughes has played a, a full, right. Like a regular season season. So, um, you know, and, and a lot of these younger players haven't yet. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see how everything ends out. But I don't think I, I, to answer your question, I guess I, that was a really long way of answering. Yes. It's, it's Lindy Ruff's team. Um, I'm sure everybody looks at Brunette as a good insurance policy if it doesn't turn out well because he did what he did last season. Um, it's really hard to duplicate those kind of things, but it, it is a good insurance blanket or policy, however you want to phrase it, uh, to have a guy like that. Um, but he's also a good asset to, to help these players grow and, and to help the team grow. So, Dan, I have to ask you, you cover the PHF for the Ice Garden. And it's a growing league. They obviously have a, is it a, a seventh team making, having their inaugural season this year? Of course, I'm talking about uh, Montreal. Uh, I believe they're the Montreal force. Is that correct? Yep. And so it's going to be a great season for the women's league. And we're all very excited to watch it. But for those who strictly follow the NHL that are trying to expand their hockey knowledge into the PHF, what are some things to be looking for this year? Who Who's looking like the front runner in the league? And tell us why it's the Riveters, um, you know. <laughs> um, I, I, as much as I have a, I have a decent amount of um, friends with the Riveters, I don't think this is their year. I could oh, be wrong. Um, but they, 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 they are going to have a very interesting team this year. Um, thank you for that. Uh, plug, shout out, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Boston is the team um, to to keep your eye on it. If you don't know anything about the PHF, um, they've won the last two seasons. Um, and uh, this season, they're, they reloaded their lineup. It, it's, it's pretty crazy. Even the salary cap went up. So for those that don't know, like these players don't make a lot of money. A lot of them have secondary jobs, day jobs. Uh, kind of like me, where I'm, I'm a reporter, but I also have other jobs that I do as well. Um, so a lot of these players are, are teachers or scientists or coaches, um, nannies, uh, you name it, they all do it, uh, nurses. Um, but Boston, so the salary cap went up, uh, and, and Boston has still been able to keep most of the core of their team together. 
Um, and they've also added some really, really talented players, not only who graduate just graduated from college, but um, some players that uh, like a, a specifically Lauren Gable is, is a player who's been in contention for, for playing time with Team Canada over the past couple of years. She won three or four, two or three titles at Clarkson, I believe. Um, just a, a really, really talented player. Um, and somehow Boston was able to add her in addition to all the other players that they, they have that have been part of winning the cup two years in a row. Um, they added one of the best college goaltenders to go to their two different goaltenders that have backstopped them to uh, championships the last two seasons. So uh, from top to bottom, they're, they're a fun team to watch. Um, for NHL fans listening or watching, um, you may know uh, their coach, Paul Mara. He used to play in the NHL for years. Um, and yes, his players do tease him that he is the defenseman on that ridiculous uh, Alex Ovechkin uh, falling on his stomach goal in Arizona um, that we all remember from Ovi's like kind of first, second, third year, whatever it was. Paul Mara was one of the, the defenders trying to stop that. Um, and a few of his players have like done reenactment reenactments um, during pregame warmups. That's awesome. Um, they, they've had Didn't a lot. Of- say the goalie too. <laughs> What's that? Wasn't Brian Boucher the goalie too? Brian Boucher was the goalie for that goal. Yeah. That was correct. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's um, you know Paul Paul Mara, uh didn't know much about him as a player other than he was a hard nosed guy. Um, I knew you know a, a little bit of him. Saw him play a little bit more when he played with the Rangers. Um, but having said that, like getting to know him as as a coach and as a person has been awesome. He's uh, a great advocate, a great teacher a great coach obviously he's won back-to-back cups he had experience with team usa with with the women the last time they won the gold medal 2018 he was assistant coach on their team um so there are you know and and a lot of women's hockey fans don't like when uh people make the connections of well this guy played in the nhl or or this girl her brother is you know phil kessel like you know, once or twice they, they hear those mentions and it's okay, but it seems oftentimes on broadcasts especially that get mentioned a lot and a lot. And Oh, that's Bobby Carpenter's daughter. And the women's hockey fans know that, but I also understand that it's, it's a way to draw other people in, right? Like you're like, oh, a, a, play, a, a person like me, that's kind of how I kind of got interested in it. It was like, oh, like Ben Scriven's wife is the goaltender for the Metropolitan, back then the New York Riveters, like, this is kind of cool. Like I, I know that name, like, Hey, can I go cover this game? And then, you know, eight years later, I'm still doing it. Um, so there are a couple of connections like that for the, the NHL fans out there. that aren't familiar with the PHF. Uh, as I mentioned, Paul Mara is the coach of the Boston pride, uh, Colton Orr. A lot of fans will remember him. He played with Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, New York Rangers, uh, really tough guy, badass. Uh, I don't know if I can say badass. I'm sure I can. Um, you know, real nasty, you know, pugilist, whatever you want to call him. Um, nicest guy in the world. Uh, he's the coach of the Connecticut Whale now. Uh, they had their best season ever last last year. Uh, his, the, I think this, this season will be his fourth as the, the head coach. Um, and those players love him. They will do anything for him. He got a lot of his players to re-sign this past summer uh, for two seasons, and this was the first off-season where players had that option of signing an actual two-year deal to, to have that kind of security and, and know what kind of money you're going to be making for the next two years. Um, and he had a large majority of his team 
because um, they became they were so close last season. Um, so a lot of them re-signed for two years. Uh, a player on his team uh, is Alex Vlasic. Uh, excuse me, Alex Vlasic's sister, Emma Vlasic. Uh, you guys, I see some Blackhawks logos there. Um, Alex Vlasic is is a defenseman trying to make the Chicago Blackhawks. I'm not sure if he got sent down yet. Uh, but his sister, Emma, is uh, a center for the Connecticut Whale. A phenomenal player, all-star. Uh, she was a captain at Yale, so you know she's really smart, too. Uh, but but a, a great player, great in the face-off circle, um, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet, one of my favorite people to interview and to, to just talk hockey with. Uh, recently had her on, on a podcast that I do for the Ice Garden, uh, Future Considerations, uh, so you can check that out wherever you find your podcast. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I know there are a couple other connections as far as, like, NHL players, but um, those are – and and Emma Vlasic uh, – uh, her cousin is Mark Edward Vlasic with the San Jose yeah. Sharks. Um, big, yeah. big hockey family there. Oh, there's uh, actually the Whale have another player, um, Melissa Samoskevich. Her brother is uh, just drafted two years ago, I think, by Florida. Uh, they both played at Quinnipiac, and uh, her brother Mackey. Uh, no, her, her, Mackey is at uh, – maybe he's the, the one that's at Michigan. So she has a couple of brothers that are – NHL fans will be seeing her out there, but um, she's a really good player too. She's on the whale. Um, so there are those little connections and links. And um, like I said, a lot of women's hockey fans don't like those points being brought up ad nauseum. And, and I understand that, but for the fan that doesn't know anything about it, for the hockey fan that maybe wants to, to you know, explore other forms of hockey, um, PHF is, is, is really good hockey. Uh, it's entertaining. It's fast. Um, and I, I promise you, if you go to a game, if you watch a game, uh, one of the first things you'll say is, wow, I didn't realize they were this good or that talented or that fast. Um, I've brought people to Riveters games a ton. Um, and that's always the, oh my God, I didn't realize that they were this physical or, or that they were this fast or this good, this talented. Um, and you mentioned the Riveters at the top, I kind of circled all the way back to them. Um, they're playing in a mall this season, which is going to be really interesting. Um, I'm going to go, I've, I've seen practice there. I was there for the press conference and, uh, I'll be there for the exhibition game next weekend. Um, so I'm curious to see how that goes down. Um, but they have a, a large, uh, group of new players this year. I believe only three returning players and 15 new players to date. Um, and probably half of those 15 or, or maybe just over half, like eight or nine of them are uh, European players, uh, a lot of Finnish players, Swedish players who have played in the Olympics in the past. And they have uh, their coach, their new coach is Ven Lahovi. Uh, and she was a Finnish Olympian for years and years. Uh, so with the increase in the salary cap, she was able to call up a bunch of her friends and say, hey, I'm taking over as the coach of this, this club. And. Um, I want you guys to come over and, and make some money and, and uh, play against some, some really good hockey. So um, I'm optimistic about the Riveter season, but, you know, if, if you put me on the spot, I'm going to say it's, it's probably Boston and Connecticut this season. Um, but we'll see. Stranger things have happened. Montreal uh, is a new team. Uh, Toronto is, is always tough, but they have a problem in the playoffs. Uh, Buffalo, there's a team in Buffalo. They kind of retooled their roster again, and they have some great goaltending. Um, so it'll be an interesting season. 
Um, 24 games this season. If you have ESPN Plus, a lot of people out there, uh, hockey fans, have had to get ESPN Plus to, to watch one or two of their, their team's games or all their team's games. So um, EHF Hockey will be right on there. Uh, this season, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, that's a change. We used to be Saturday and Sunday. Um, so now we have a couple of Friday night games. There's 11 in total. So, you know, if you're browsing around on ESPN Plus looking for a hockey game to watch on the weekend, uh, check it out and uh, hope you enjoy. And uh, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. I'm uh, always willing to help uh, touch touch fans, uh, uh, touch fan bases with, with uh, new fans and help them uh, integrate into uh, – you know, what the PHF is and what it's all about. Very good. That was a. Absolutely. I love hearing all that. Frank, do you have anything left for Dan? Um, I just want to thank you, Dan, for coming around, coming on the show, sharing your input on the New Jersey Devils and your other league that you were just explaining and it just everything you, you shared with us today. All right, Dan, before we let you go, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do the Devils make the playoffs? And promote all the things you got going on content-wise, your Twitter, where we could read all your stuff and all that sort of jazz. Do the Devils make the playoffs? I'm going to say no, unfortunately. Sorry to be a bummer. Uh, but I think they're going to come very close. I, I think they're going to be uh, – my birthday is the end of March. I think they'll still be in the mix by the end of March. Um, but I think in the end, uh, I just – I don't know. I, I, I've – I'm trying to be a little bit more optimistic, but I, I just feel like they're they're not ready to take, or, or I just feel like some of the other teams are, are you know, just going to be a, a, that much better than them. Um, but I think it'll be a great experience for the team to, to be playing meaningful games past Thanksgiving, past Christmas, hopefully with a healthy season. Um, that's what we see. Uh, as far as stuff I have coming, okay, um, for pucks and pitchforks, uh, I did speak with Eric Hall. I, I mentioned that uh, I have something coming on him uh, either before the, the next preseason game or definitely before the season starts. Uh, also spoke with uh, Tomas Tatar the other night, uh, this past, uh, the last preseason game, the Boston game. Um, so I'm going to try and get something done on him as well before the season starts. I really enjoyed uh, talking to him. And he was a guy that was, um, we mentioned, you know, before bringing guys to the podium and stuff like that. Like he was one of those players where he, it didn't seem to bother him to be in front of everybody and, and speak. And, um, and it, that was nice. And, and so to actually meet him kind of, you know, in person, you know, face to face, so to speak, uh, next to one another, uh, was really nice. And, and he was very gracious with his time. So, um, look forward to that coming out soon. Uh, as far as the PHF goes, season starts, uh, November 5th. As I said, ESPN Plus, uh, you can read uh, on the Ice Garden. We have uh, a bunch of stuff up there. I'll have a bunch of season preview stuff. Um, I just did something on uh, one of the Riveters players, one of the new players, excuse me, uh, for the Ice Garden last week. Um, and once the season kicks off again, I, I have a weekly column over there uh, called Around the Rink uh, where I, you know, quotes and uh, little tidbits and notes, um, stuff like, uh, former Riveters coach Chad Wiseman just got promoted to uh, take over the Guelph Storm in the OHL. Uh, is actually a former Devils uh, player prospect. Scored four goals in a game. I think it was for the Albany Devils once. 
Um, so that, that's always kind of neat to bring up. But yeah, so th those kind of things will be in, in my next column whenever it comes out. Uh, but as this, when the season starts, it'll be a weekly thing. Um, Twitter, you can follow me, as it says right here, at DRiceHockey. Uh, you can interpret that however you want. Uh, Dr. Ice Hockey, uh, Dan Rice Hockey, DRice Hockey, however you want to interpret it, it it's open for, for that. Uh, you know, and, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think uh, I just want to thank you guys for giving me the time and the space to, to speak. I know sometimes I got a little bit long-winded there. Uh, but I appreciate you letting me go and, and uh, rambling on. Hopefully everybody out there enjoyed uh, listening to this. And uh, like I said, if you have any questions, you ever want to talk hockey, PHF, any questions about the Devils, uh, just hit me up. I'm a pretty uh, pretty approachable guy. So, yeah, that's it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Absolutely. Dan. Thank you so much for coming on. Everybody, make sure you follow Dr. Ice Hockey on Twitter. I love that. Like, why, like so do I. Dr. Ice Hockey. <laughs> Absolutely. That's incredible. And make sure you follow him for all his great content. And we will send you guys to period number two. Welcome to period two. Frank, what an interview with Dan. That was so much fun. I was just sitting back listening about the PHF. I love that. It was a he lot of nice fun. To my riveters, but they're Dan is a, he's more. a good guy. Yeah. You know what we need? And I'll never root for a team over the riveters. Similar to like me living in Chicago and rooting for the Devils, uh -huh. but I would love a Chicago team to have. They don't like, have a Chicago team, right? The closest team to us is Minnesota. I would say uh, Chicago needs one. Detroit needs one. I believe right Maybe now maybe will come. Are the seven are the Connecticut Whale, Boston Pride, Metropolitan Riveters, and I'm missing one of. Oh, I'm missing one of the OG four though. The Connecticut. Whale, oh, the Riveters, the Connecticut Whale, Boston Pride, Metropolitan Riveters. I'm missing one more of the original four, and then if the Come Minnesota on, Whitecaps, the Minnesota Whitecaps were number five, the Toronto Six were number six, and then uh, Montreal was seven. So, why can't I think New York, Boston? He's cracking under pressure. I'm not cracking under pressure. There's no pressure. What <laughs> is it? PHF. Let's find out. The PHF. Who am I forgetting? Oh, the Buffalo Buttes. How could I forget Buffalo? Great, Buffalo. great hockey place. So, yeah, those are the seven teams. I highly encourage everybody to follow the PHF. You can obviously watch certain games on ESPN+. Plus. The entire schedule is available via their Twitter at PHF, and you could follow – D Rice Hockey, Dr. Ice Hockey on Twitter.com. Drice Hockey. Drice. Frank, that was a fun time. I liked hearing all the nice things you had to say about the Devils. And speaking of the Devils, we are going to preview my division, the division I watch the most by far, even games that don't involve the Devils, because I watch every team you watch in that the division, quite literally. It's the Metropolitan Division. Frank? We're going to go through and do what we do. We're like, you know, the last couple of weeks, we've gone through each team in the division, say who we think is going to yep. be good, who's going to make the playoffs, where did we think they're going to finish in the standings. Mm -hmm. And we start off each time by saying who we think is going to be the leading scorer of each team. So let's go like we've done all season long from bottom to top in reverse order of last season standing, starting with the Philadelphia Flyers. Frank, who leads the 2022-23 Flyers in scoring? Well, 
Flyers are going to be kind of boring this year. Whoever leads their team in scoring, it's not going to be a lot of points. We're not going to see no 100-point player come out of Philadelphia this year. Not even close. And there's some doubts surrounding Sean Couturier. But I'm going to go with Cam Atkinson to lead the Philadelphia Flyers in scoring this season. I like the pick. I like the pick. He came in second last year. He had 50 points. Cam Atkinson's always a consistent 50 to 65-point guy. You know you're going to get a solid season from him. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pick Kevin Hayes because Kevin Hayes has had 70, 80-point seasons in the past. I believe he does have the potential to be a game-breaking like player. I don't think the Flyers are going to be very good. I think if Kevin Hayes magically had 100 points, the Flyers still wouldn't be very good. Yeah. But um, I do have them as the worst team in the division. But I think Kevin Hayes is going to bounce back this season from an injured last season. He wasn't bad last season by any means. He just didn't play very much. He had 31 points in 48 games played. And I think that's even low for him in what we've expected in his career. Like the year before that, he was also injured, but you know we've seen him have some high goal scoring seasons in his career, and I think the world of Kevin Hayes, and hopefully he's able to have a good season upcoming. Mm-hmm. Then we okay. will get to the New Jersey Devils. Frank, who leads the 2022-23 New Jersey Devils in scoring? Well. I'm going to go with a hot topic that we talk about on this podcast. I'm going to go with Jack Hughes. He's got a high ceiling if he's healthy. Um, you heard Dan say what he said, that he, he could be up there with the likes of Matthews. So this could be a breakout year for him potentially if he's healthy. So I'm going to go with Jack Hughes. Last year, Jack Hughes had 56 points in 49 games played. That is a pace of 95 points over 82 games. It's a lot of points. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of points. Jesper Bratt led the team in scoring with 73 points. He sure had 60. Career highs for all three of them, but Jack Hughes hardly played. He sure had a down year in terms of games played, too. He sure had 60 points in 70 games played, which is about a 75-point pace. I believe he sure will finish in the upper echelon of New Jersey Devil scoring again next year, 75, 80 points, I think is very realistic for him. And then, of course, I do believe it is going to be Jack Hughes. As yeah. I wanted to pick he sure really bad i did i think he has potential to put up lead a team in scoring type numbers i just think jack hughes is that much better offensively and i'm gonna pick jack hughes to lead the team in scoring jasper bratt though shout out to him he did yeah. he did lead the team in scoring. You never know. so um who came in i'm forgetting who came here i got it right here blue Last jackets. Year, it was the columbus blue jackets who ultimately fought for a playoff spot at the end of last season, but they ended up coming up short. Frank, who is going to lead the Columbus Blue Jackets in scoring? Well, there's a new face here in Columbus. His name's Johnny Goudreau, Johnny Hockey, whatever you want to call him. Trice Hockey. (laughs) Uh, Johnny Hockey comes to the Blue Jackets. He had 115 points with Calgary. Is he going to repeat that? Probably not. I mean, Calgary is a little bit of a deeper and better team, so... Definitely had the advantage there. However, on the Columbus Blue Jackets, he's the face of this team. So he's definitely the go-to player that guys are going to try and get the puck to, of course. But I don't think he's going to get 115 points. But I do think he leads the Columbus Blue Jackets this year in scoring. I completely agree. 
Um, Johnny Hockey was the be- biggest free agent fish on the market this offseason. The Devils came so close. And then the freaking Blue Jackets swooped in last second, signed him. Just tells me Hockey really didn't want to play for the Devils all that much. And the second someone swooped in, he yeah. jumped in on it. Like he was going to settle for the Devils. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it was off or not. I hope he has fun playing on the Blue Jackets team. I hope they go absolutely nowhere his entire tenure there. But I actually think they are going to be a, a decent team. But I have hockey leading the team in scoring. I really don't think there's any other answer. I agree. No shot. Frank, the New York Islanders were one of the league's most disappointing teams this season, making them one of the hardest teams to predict this season. Who is going to lead the New York Islanders in scoring? You know, this is a contract year for Matthew Barzell. No, it's not. I thought it was. He signed an eight-year deal worth nine-point-something million dollars yesterday. Well, it was going to be a contract year for Matthew Barzell. So I was going to use that as an excuse of why he's going to go off because the past four seasons he hasn't gotten more than 62 points. He got overpaid. He got overpaid. I mean, he had 85 points as a rookie, and then ever since then he hasn't broken more than 62 points. So what I was going to say is that it's going to be a contract year for Barzell, and with that being the case, I mean, you see guys perform very well normally in a contract year. I'll still choose him. But yeah, I did not hear the news that he was signed. But I'm yeah, going to go Barzell. I'm also going to take Barzell. The the year that he had 85 points was the year that Tavares, it was Tavares's last year with the Islanders, and they did not play together. That is not the reason Barzell had 85 points. I'm sure it helped his power play production right. a little bit, but it was a, one was the top center, one was the second line center. I do think Tavares opened up more room for Barzell to be better on the second line rather than the first. And, you know, whenever the Islanders played the, like, let's say when they played the Bruins, Patrice Bergeron went up against Tavares, leaving Krejci for um, Barzell. Whenever they played the Penguins, Crosby went up against Tavares. Barzell got Malkin, which Malkin yeah. great, but he's not the defender that Crosby is. Right. Um, you know, if you know, so now that Barzell's the top guy, he gets all the hard matchups. He plays against Crosby, he plays against Heesher, he plays against uh Bergeron. You know, all the team's top shutdown centers go against Barzell now. And I and he also played in Barry Trotz's defensive system. Barry Trotz is no longer there. So I think Barzell has a chance to live up to that $9 million contract. Yeah. The Islanders better hope so, though. Otherwise, that is going to become one of the most albatross contracts in the entire National Hockey League. But I think even 70 points gets the job done to lead the Islanders in scoring this season. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. What was the contract again? He gets 9.2, I think. For eight years, it's all contract. It's a bad contract because we we talk about ten points per million. I don't see him getting ninety points. No, he he can though. He can, but he hasn't in his career. No, he he hasn't. He had eighty five was his max. Yeah. Next on the list is the Washington Capitals. Frank, just say it. (laughs) I think it's going to be John Carlson. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) He. He's very good. Yeah, he can, but it's it's going to be Alex Ovechkin. He, he's he's a goal threat when it's a, you're not on the power play. When you're on the power play, he's a threat in Ovi's office. I mean, he's just not only is he going to find ways to get the puck in the net, but he's going to rack up some assists here and there too. I don't think we're going to disagree here, but I'm going to go with Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, 
Um, really quick, Skokes put in the chat that he has a weird feeling that Line A gets back on the map this year when we were talking about the Blue Jackets. I agree. Line A had a really good season last year. I just don't think he has the assists yeah. to be a Blue Jacket leading scorer. He could lead them in goals. If he has more goals than hockey this season, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, I'd be a little surprised if he had more points than Goudreau, but... Points, sure. Yeah. Goals, no. Yeah, Line is better at, you know, he's a goal scorer. He's got yeah. the power in his shot, which makes him a goal scorer. Absolutely. But back to Washington, I drafted Kuznetsov in one of my other fantasy hockey leagues last night, and so I'm hoping he has a big year. But I think him and Carlson are both going to have heavy assist years, but, you know, Ovechkin's a lock for 45 goals. I'm going to probably say he scores 50 again. I legitimately think, though, the 50 goals with a complimentary 40 assists and 50 assists maybe, the way he plays doesn't age poorly, which is why I think Ovechkin is ultimately going to break Wayne Gretzky's goal record in a couple of years as long as he stays healthy. But another 90 points from Ovechkin is on the way, and I think he will lead them in scoring. So that leaves the Pittsburgh Penguins. Frank, who is going to lead one of the most exciting teams in the NHL over the last 15 years in scoring. Yeah, this team is uh, not looking a ton different as it did last year. I mean, there was a lot of rumors this offseason, who was going to leave, who's going to stay. But at the end of the day, they got their core together. And because of that, I'm going to go with Sidney Crosby. Last year, Crosby was on pace for 100 points. He had 84 points in 69 games. So if he played an extra 13 games, he would have been close to 100 points. So if he does that again, which he's capable of, I think he should have the leading goal or the leading leading score on his team pretty locked up. Sidney Crosby is still very much one of the best seven or eight players in the NHL. And until I'm proven otherwise, I will stand by that statement. He's not one anymore. He was the best player in the NHL yeah. for about 10 straight years. Mm-hmm. That's a long time to be the best player in the league. And I still think a hundred points could be on the way for him again. He plays hard. He plays physical. Injuries are always a possibility for someone like Sidney Crosby because of the way he plays. He battles so hard down low. He's a superstar grinder, as Mike Ruck has called him in the past. But I do believe Sidney will lead the Pittsburgh Penguins in scoring. I think Evgeny Malkin and Christopher Letang will have more points than people think, though, and the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to be a very good team. Next on the list is the New York Rangers. Frank, there's kind of a chalk answer here, but one of their guys scored 50. That may be not the chalk answer. Who is going to lead the New York Rangers in scoring this season? I'm going to go hands down Panarin. Last year, career high 96 points. To be honest with you, I think they got better this year. I think they're a better team this year than they will be last year, and that'll be due to the fact of Panarin having a potentially same or even better year than he did last year. I agree completely with you. Last season, Panarin scored 22 goals. That's low. Yeah. If he has 74 assists again and scores 35 goals, we're talking about 110 points. So I absolutely believe Panarin will lead the New York Rangers in scoring. I see big years coming from Mm -hmm. Zibanejad. I see big year from Kreider. I don't know about 50 goals for Kreider, but 40? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, typical 70-point season from Kreider. I think Fox can get to another level offensively. We all know how great he is defensively. He's already got a Norris trophy under his belt. But Adam Fox is a very good player, and I think those three will be in contention for second on the team. But Panarin will lead the team in scoring, and he he only needed 22 goals to lead the team in scoring last year because he had 70 assists. 
But if he puts together another 70 assist season with 30 goals instead, I like the sky's the limit for the bread man. And then last year's division winner is the Carolina Hurricanes. Frank, who leads the Carolina Hurricanes in scoring? Well, um, the guy I'm about to name, he had the best points per game average in the league, I'm pretty sure. And he had the most power play points in the league. And that's Sebastian Ajo. And I think uh, he's going to replicate some of those stats and be the leading goal scorer. Yeah, Sebastian Ajo last season had 81 points in 79 games. Obviously, if he plays in 82 games this season, he could be one of the the top players in the league. I'm going to go a little different route here, though. This is going to be my one hot take team. I think Ajo will put together his typical 80-85 point season, but I believe this is the year that Andrei Svechnikov takes it to another level and potentially has a 95-point season. Wow. I believe the sky's the limit for this guy. He's an incredible player. He's probably the most underrated player in the league right now. He had 69 points last season, which was a really nice season for him. But the the assists are going to come up. He scored 30 goals. And if the assists come up, I think the sky's the limit for him. If that draft is redone, he probably goes number one overall. And listen, I love Rasmus Dahlin. I think Dahlin's a great defenseman. But Svechnikov is unbelievable. He's my pick to lead Carolina in scoring this year. I think they're going to be a world-beating team, like President's Trophy type good, the Carolina Hurricanes. And and so, you know, this is not a diss on Ajo. He could have whatever your point total is, Ajo, for him. And I think Svechnikov can break that. I really do. This is a good team. This is a really good team. That's bold. It is bold. And then T- Tara Vinen will have anywhere from 65 to 80 points. You know, I know 15 points is kind of like a, a, a crazy window. Like, yeah, Vinny going real bold there. But like <laughs> Tara Vinen's capable of having an 80-point year. He had 65 last yes. year. Tara Vinen does what he needs to do to help his team win. Mm-hmm. So, and I like that line with Svechnikov, Tara Vinen, and Ajo. It's one of the best lines in the National Hockey League. It's definitely and they keep, a fun one for sure. So. Yeah, and they keep finding ways to replace their like star defenseman that gets mm-hmm. a crap ton of points. Like it was Dougie Hamilton, right? And then what did they do? They replaced him with that complete a-hole, Tony D'Angelo, who had 51 points last season. Well, D'Angelo leaves, goes to Philly. I hope he has a miserable year playing for the Flyers. But they traded for Brent Burns, who is mm-hmm. not the same Brent Burns that won the Norris Trophy a couple years ago, but he's still a very good player. Oh, yeah. Good. 50 60 points he'll score 20 goals as a defenseman and have another 40 assists brent burns is awesome he might even find the fountain of youth in carolina because let me tell you something the san jose sharks stink and the carolina hurricanes do not so brent burns is going to help this team take it to the next level i do think carolina is very good i i agree with you yeah so let's go with our standings predictions frank um, I'm wondering if you're going to have it similar to what it finished as last season. Of course, last season, Carolina won the division. Then in second place, third place, fourth place, making the playoffs were the New York Rangers, Pittsburgh Penguins, and Washington Capitals. Then out of the playoffs from the Metro, you had the New York Islanders, Columbus Blue Jackets, New Jersey Devils, and Philadelphia Flyers. What do you think? It's going to be way different than last year. I think so. Ooh. Yeah, I got a very interesting. I'll start from bottom top. In eighth place in the Metropolitan Division, we have the Philadelphia Flyers. Hey, they got John Tortorella. That should be fun. Torts is uh, going to be behind the bench. So, I mean, I guess that's something that Flyers fans have looking forward to. They really don't got much else to look forward to. I, I think they're going to be really, really bad. 
down there with the Hawks, the Coyotes. Um, yeah, I mean, they really don't have a ton of talent on the team that's capable of producing, like, a ton of points. Like, if my prediction of Cam Atkinson leads the team in scoring, it may be in low 60s, and that may lead the team in scoring, which you're not going to make the playoffs or even have a lot of success with guys like that. You need that, like, extra level of success there. In seventh place, I got the New York Islanders. I'm not a fan of their roster at all. I agree with Dan Rice. He was He's not a fan of their roster at all. They're banking on success from Sorokin and Varlamov, Varlamov. And they're also banking on success success from Barzell because, like I said, he, he's never gotten past 62 points since his rookie season of 85. They have shown not, they, they, they have done nothing in this offseason to, to do anything. It's just I, I don't like what I see from this team. I didn't like them last year. Last year they had a bit of an unlucky start playing their first like 11 or 12 games on the road. But I, I just don't like what I see from this team. And they've really done nothing this offseason to improve it. So why would I have them predicted higher than where they are? I think they're taking a little bit of a regression. And I think that contract that Barzal has is going to look pretty bad at the end of the season. But anyway, sixth place, I got the Columbus Blue Jackets. They lack a top center. It's simple as that. They got Johnny Goudreau. Sure, that'll help uh, with a little bit more points. Um, they may have more points than they did last year, but they're not going to make the playoffs. They're going to be in sixth place in the division um, until they get their shit together too. Goudreau's a nice asset to have, but you got to ultimately build around him. He's not going to lead you to a Stanley Cup with this core that they got, so I got them in sixth. In fifth place, I got the Washington Capitals. Um, Tom Wilson and Backstrom are going to miss some time this year. That's what I heard. Um, maybe Alex Ovechkin has a little bit of a regression. When you have Backstrom and um, Wilson missing significant time, it's going to be tough to get your feet off the ground. I don't know if Ovechkin's going to score 50 this year. We'll see. If that's the case and you're missing some key guys, it's going to be hard. I, I think this division, it's, it's a little top-heavy. So sustaining a playoff spot, mm, they're definitely not going to – they'd have to get in. If they were to get in, it would be at four. I don't see them getting in at four. So I think they're going to fall to five. They definitely won't finish one, two, or three. I got the Washington Capitals at fifth in a, a year of playoffs without Alex Ovechkin. Bold prediction, but we'll see. In fourth place, I got the New Jersey Devils for VP. What do you think about that, huh? I love hearing that. I think the Devils, I think this is the year that the Devils are going to make the playoffs. I really do. It also depends on how well their goaltending does. I can't stress that enough. We saw a lot, a lot of flaws from their goaltending last year. What we've seen in the preseasons is preseason is all nice and well, but then again, you're not facing that same talent you do when you're in the regular season. It's a whole different ball game. We'll see. I mean, they also got Palat. Palat helps definitely. You get that veteran veteran aspect and add that to your team. He'll help a little bit. This young core is nice. Jack Hughes, if he stays healthy, his ceiling is massive, like I said. I really like the this young core. Maybe this could be the year they do it and pull it off, but it ultimately depends on their goaltending. It really does. Third place, Pittsburgh Penguins. They didn't. They got their core back. So I mean, you, you got freaking Crosby, Malkin, Latang. I mean, shall I say more? You got Jari and Nett. Um, Petrie. They got Petrie. I think he's an underrated player. Um, yeah. I mean, I have nothing else to say other than if this team would have lost some of the players we thought they may lose, 
they definitely wouldn't be in the top three for me, but they didn't. Crosby could have another fantastic season and ultimately put him third place in the Metropolitan. So we shall see. Second place, I have the Carolina Hurricanes. I I don't think they're going to win the division this year. Do think Ajo will have a pretty good year. Obviously, you mentioned Brent Burns. He's going to help the team out uh, a little bit. Maybe he'll find the fountain of youth. They got Max Pacioretty. I know he's dealing with some injuries, but ultimately when he comes back, he's going to be a great player to have on this team. Don't think they're going to win a division, but they're going to be a very, very good team, and second place feels right for them because first place, I think, is going to go to the New York Rangers. They were definitely the most improved team from last year, I thought. I think they're going to be even better this year. Don't forget they signed uh, Vincent Trotrek to a contract, a big contract. Um, they got Shesterkin. Uh Halak is backing him up. So, I mean, there's they have so much depth. They got Adam Fox on defense. I mean, they got a lot of offensive power to score. I mean, it's it's hard to see this team not winning this division. And I know as a Devils fan, that's that's tough to hear. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's true. I love their goaltending. I love their defense, and I love their offense. And I think they're going to be a powerhouse and be even better than they were last year. So those are my standings for you, um, which means that I have the Devils, Penguins, Hurricanes, and Rangers making the playoffs this year from the Metropolitan Division. I'm stunned at everything that just came out of your mouth. Ours are almost identical. Are you serious? Every single one, you, I was like, did I send them my list by accident? <laughs> In last place, I have the Philadelphia Flyers. I think they are amongst the worst teams in the NHL. I think when we think of the Kraken and when we think of San Jose, I think they're like the second to last tier of bad teams in the league. I think the yeah. Hawks and the Coyotes are in a tier of their own. I really, really do. Especially yeah. if the Blackhawks trade Kane. But... Then in, right above them is the Kraken, the Flyers, the Sharks, maybe the Ducks, depending on how their season goes. I think the Ducks season could literally go one way or the other. Like, I think they could be a really good, like, surprise team, or they could be straight trash. Um, so, but, you know, that's a story for a different day. The Flyers, last place in the division. In second to last place in the division, I have the Columbus Blue Jackets. This is one of our only little differences here. I have the Columbus Blue Jackets coming in second to last place in the division. Hockey's amazing. They're going to be a fun team to watch. The cannon will go off a little more than it did last year, but they still were a wildly underwhelming team last year when they should have been much better. Obviously, depending on line eight, isn't something that a lot of teams in the league want to do. You mentioned that they needed a number one center. They had one and traded it away for line eight. Pierre-Luc Dubois is without question a very, good NHL centerman that could be a number one on a team. He kind of reminds me of Nico. He's like a high-end number two, a low-line center one, a low-end number one. So, like, on a Blue Jackets team that's begging for a center like that, Pierre-Luc Dubois would have thrived. I don't really get why they traded him for line A. I know neither player wanted to be where they were, so they made the move. But, you know, the Blue Jackets will be a fun team. They'll be an annoying team. They'll beat teams that they shouldn't. You know, you don't want to play them if you need to win, right? But, you know, I got them ultimately coming in seventh place. I flipped on the team I have coming in sixth place. I do think the New York Islanders are in a tough spot. I was looking at their roster the other day. I'm like, what reason do I have to think that last year was just a fluke because of their rink? Scox brings up the arena. Wait, the Islanders have their new arena. 
Um, yes, they started last season with like 13 straight road games, and then they finally yep. got into their new arena in Belmont. But, you know, uh, once they got in their new rink, things didn't change. They relied on Zach Parisi last season to score a couple of goals for them. He had 15 yep. goals. And do I think ZP could score another 10 to 15 goals this season at 38 years old? Absolutely. I'm going to be rooting for him too. But he's already got the 400 goal mark under his belt. He's going to come up just short of the Hall of Fame, but I'll enjoy watching him play for the last couple seasons left. But outside of Barzell, who I'm rooting for to take a big step and live up to his contract, I really am. I like Barzell. He's silky smooth. There's no doubt he's got silky smooth hands and every nice, every point he has is a sick looking play. You know, he, he doesn't really get too many garbage points. And I think you need to get garbage points to be an elite player in the NHL. All of his points are a little bit too finesse. Maybe the new coach will allow Barzell to expand his wings and fly like a butterfly. But I have them coming in sixth even still. Coming in fifth place, I have the Washington Capitals. I think the Washington Capitals are going to be a really fun team to watch. It just seems to me now. And they won their Stanley Cup. They got it. All the core players, Backstrom, Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Oshie, even when they had Holtby, uh, Carlson, Mm -hmm. they got their Stanley Cup. The main focus for that team now is getting Ovechkin past Wayne Gretzky. And you saw it with the Yankees with Aaron Judge and the – Cardinals with Albert Pujols. They did what they had to do to get their guy the milestone that they needed. They made Judge the leadoff guy for the last three weeks just so he can be guaranteed the most at-bats on the Yankees. And stuff like that's going to happen. They're going to overfeed Ovechkin that might, when there might be a chance for Oshie to have a clear shot on net. If he thinks Ovi has a chance to score, he's going to pass it over. Like Those types of things are going to happen with Washington. I think it'll cost them a couple wins. Ovechkin's going to break the record, and they're going to be one of the most exciting teams to watch. Ovechkin chase for 50 again. I'm all in on it. I love Washington. I'll watch them a lot this season, but I think they're ultimately going to come in fifth place, which means that in fourth place of the Metropolitan Division, I have my New Jersey Devils. Call me biased. Call me a homer. Call me whatever you want. If you don't go into the season, a season like this with faith, and I'm not saying you have to go into every season with faith. As Blackhawks people, as Chicagoans, we're not saying, oh, they're going to be so good this year and make the playoffs just because we're trying to have some faith. There's realism to what we say a lot of the time. But if your team's on the cusp, if they're a bubble team, why not? Why not? I don't get punished if they don't make the playoffs and I say they are going to. So Vitek Vanacek and Mackenzie Blackwood are a nice duo in net. Blackwood was on Team Canada shortlist before he got hurt. And when he came back, he wasn't very good. So a lot of people soured on him last year and rightfully so. But before that, he was showing signs of what could be a number one goaltender in the NHL. And they got Vanacek to back him up. Um, I I think the sky's the limit for both Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer, especially Jack Hughes offensively. And I still think people underestimate where Nico can fit in in terms of, you know, his superstar level compared to Jack. There could be a world where they're equal in terms of meaningness or meaningfulness to the team. And Jesper Bratt, Yegor Sharangovich, Andre Palat, Alexander Holtz, Miles Wood. There are some good wingers on this team that have proven Miles Wood's career high in goals is 19. If he scores 19 goals this season, the Devils will really be cooking. And we'll, I'm, I'm looking for a career year from Palat. I think Dougie Hamilton adds a bunch to the uh, defense 
side of things offensively. Um, Siegenthaler is one of the 20 best shutdown defensemen in the NHL, according to every major statistic that the advanced stats nerds use. Um, I love Graves as a pairing partner for um, Dougie Hamilton. I think that has a chance to be something special as a pair. We'll see Luke Hughes at the end of this season, no matter how it goes. As soon as Michigan is done, whether that be as the national champions or freshly eliminated from uh, the Frozen Four tournament, um, I believe Luke Hughes will make his New Jersey Devils debut this season. We'll see if Nemich does at any point. And there's obviously some roster bubble players like Kevin Ball, Jesper Boquist, Alexander Holtz. I would let Alexander Holtz make it. The fact that he has a chance to nod is crazy to me. He's been insane in this preseason. Um, But that's my take on this Devils team. I do think they have what it takes. I know that's my longest answer, but it's the one I'm the most passionate about by far. Um, So, yeah, Devils in third – or in fourth. In third place, I have the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Pittsburgh Penguins are always just going to be one of those teams. If they won the Stanley Cup, I wouldn't be surprised. If they lost in the first round, I wouldn't be surprised. But when you have Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Christopher Letang, Jake Gensel, we don't even talk about Jake Gensel just because he's not part of their like 20-year core. Gensel's going to be their leading goal scorer. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to be their leading goal scorer. So why not have all the faith that we can in him um, to be a really good player? They traded Marino for Ty Smith. We'll see if Ty Smith is able to take the next step for them. But with to Smith and uh, Jari, I think anything's possible in terms of goaltending. It is still to Smith and Jari, right? So, you know, Pittsburgh's going to be really good. They'll be one of my most watched teams. In second place, I have the Carolina Hurricanes. I know I said President's Trophy contention. I do think the t- top two teams in the Metropolitan Division are President's Trophy contenders, including Carolina, who I ultimately think will come in second place. We touched on Ajo, Svechnikov, Daravainen. Um, I really like the addition of Brent Burns. We'll see how Max Pacioretty fits in once he's healthy. So I got Carolina coming in second. It's a really solid team. If they came in first and won the President's Trophy, I wouldn't be too surprised. But another President's Trophy contender is the New York Rangers, who I have winning the Metropolitan Division, which if the Devils come in fourth and the Rangers come in first, you know what's possible in the first round of the postseason. Wouldn't that be something? If the Battle of the Hudson was the first round of – the NHL postseason this year in the Metropolitan Division, but I really like the Rangers lineup. Artemi Panarin had a down year goal scoring wise last year, and that didn't stop him from being a 96 point player, which is just absolutely insane to think about. That means he had 74 assists. Holy crap, that's a lot. So if he picks up the goal scoring a little more, he'll be right there. Zabanajad is amazing. Kreider's amazing. I think each of them score 40. Um, Fox Norris trophy, top five finish again. If he doesn't win it, I know Kale McCarr and Victor Hedman and Roman Yossi are all in the same league, but Adam Fox, he's already got one in the same league as those guys. So it's possible. The New York Rangers have the, in my opinion, second best goalie in the NHL. And if he took the mantle as the best goalie in the NHL this season, I also wouldn't be too surprised. It's either him or Vasilevsky, depending on the night. So, you know, the New York Rangers, they have what we say you need to be a really good team, right? They don't have a hall of famer at every position, which what is what makes the lightning so special, but they have an elite player at every position. Zabanajad's an elite center. Panarin's an elite winger. Fox is an elite defenseman and Chesterkin is an elite goalie. I think they come in first place with the Metropolitan division. We have the exact same thing, except flipping uh, the Islanders and the Blue Jackets. It's just not that big of a deal because like, 
No, and we're both going to be wrong anyway. on something. We're going to be yeah. wrong on something with this division. It's not going to finish the exact same way either of us named it. Probably that'd be sick. <laughs> I I would I would think that's absolutely crazy, but you just never know from there. So, um, Frank, of the teams in this uh, division, though, you might it might not be the division winner as we've gone over the last three weeks, include four weeks, including this one. Who is the most set up for playoff success? I think it's the New York Rangers. I really do. I mean, Panarin, Trocek, he got up front on offense, right? Let me just name these. Off, You got that offensive duo. <coughs> on defense, you got Adam Fox and Truba as a duo, right? And then on your goaltending, you got Shesterkin and Halak, which, I mean, that that's a great goaltending duo to have, to be honest with you. I mean, there's not – I mean, people would love to have Halak as a backup. Um. I mean, we there's really not not much to say. I think they're going to be better than last year, and if they're President Trophy contenders, like we say they might be, I I don't know. I think they're going to go far. I mean, they have playoff experience, so we'll we'll see, we'll see. But I think they're most set up for success. My answer is the Pittsburgh Penguins, because I do believe the Rangers are better than them on paper. But last year, if Louis Domingue isn't Pittsburgh's goalie, like they were on their third string goalie against the Rangers and it still went seven. If Jari stayed healthy that whole series, you can argue that the Penguins would have won that series. I picked Pittsburgh to win that series. And then the Rangers were just too much for the third stringer. If Jari plays, you have Crosby, you have Malkin, you have Latang. Gensel's won two cups. Um, I I think the Penguins are the most set up for playoff success. It's just whether or not their roster can compete with everybody else in terms of talent. But we'll see. I like the Penguins in entering a play, any playoff series. Yeah, I mean, I get where you're coming from, obviously, given their talent on their roster. But I do think the Rangers are going to be even better than last year, and if that's the case, they're going to be scary to play. Probably one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, not only the Metropolitan Division. So they're going to be a scary team to go up against. I agree with that. Who has a chance to surprise? It's got to be the New Jersey Devils. I think that if people listening to this podcast, I don't know if any of them would have assumed we would have them in the postseason. So are we going to be wrong? Obviously we could be, but I think if they could figure it out in terms of their goaltending and all their core players coming to play and Pilat having a good year, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people because a lot of people have them missing the postseason or finishing at near the bottom of this division. So I think they're going to surprise a lot of people this year. I couldn't agree more. Um, But I'm going to pick a different team just because as a Devils fan, I'm going in thinking they have a chance. So it wouldn't surprise me in terms of making the playoffs. It wouldn't shock me if the Islanders go back to, shutting people down and Barzal has a good year and they have good depth. There's no doubt the Islanders have good depth and they have an elite goal. Mm-hmm. Ilya Sorokin is an elite goal. So I got the Islanders as my chance to surprise team. Cool. And Washington. Washington's got to get a nod to. Yep. Yeah, something I forgot to mention about Washington too, is why I think they're going to regress this year. Yeah, sure. They got Kemper from Colorado, right? But their backup's Lindgren? Are you kidding me? Dude's a muffin. You're, you yeah. have to have your goalie come to play. Your backups, too. Your backups play a huge part in the season. They get 25 to 30 starts, depending on you know their situation. 
he's not going to get – if he starts 25 games, he's not going to come out. I, I He might not even win 15 games. I don't know. He might go like 10 and 15 or 8 and 17. I, I don't have a lot of trust in Lindgren. Yeah, I don't know. It's just – and like I said, Wilson and Backstrom missing significant time, That that's going to hurt them a lot. Yeah, it certainly is. So the goaltending could be all the difference in the world. Frank, uh, I like the Metro. There's a lot of fun that goes on in the Metro. It's, it's an exciting be a fun division. division. Absolutely. So that's the Metro Division preview from Vinny and Frankie. Frank, let's head on over to period number three and have some fun. Welcome to period three of Bardown Talking Hockey, where in period three we talk hockey, but we also talk a lot about everything else. Frank, really quick, though, let's get into some of those Blackhawks roster cuts. Yep. Uh, I got some three big ones. I mean, unless there's more that I haven't heard of. Actually, I got four. Four uh, roster cuts. First, I'm going to start with Lucas Reichel. I'm stunned. Absolutely stunned. I thought for sure he was playing this season, for sure. But he was sent down to Rockford. He was deemed not quite there yet, which is just a shock. I, I think he should be playing this season. Um, but nonetheless, he's going to go down to Rockford, and he's going to be the best center there is on the Rockford Ice Hogs. So I know we'll see him in the future, but I, I'm just absolutely stunned that he's not going to make this team right out of the right out of training camp. But, I mean, we already know what he's capable of, I guess, with their thought processes, go down, marinate in the AHL, be the best center there is on the team, and then when the Hawks are ready, they'll bring them back up. But, yeah, um, Arvid Soderblom was another one. He's out going back down to Rockford. Um, if he is, if he is the future of the Blackhawks, like people say he's going to be, then, you know, I guess you just kind of just chill down there. And, you know, with the history that Mrazek and Stalock has of injury issues, Maybe he comes up during the season if one of them gets injured. So there's a good chance that we see him somewhere down the line, um, given how injury-prone that this team is. Or, But, yeah, so, I mean, we'll see. He's also not going to make the team. Kevin Korchinski, not surprised about this one. I didn't expect him to play. But when he's out there on the ice, he definitely looks fast and elite. Um, I'm really excited to have him in the organization. Can't wait till he comes up full-time. Uh, down the line, yeah, uh, uh, Korczynski, absolutely fantastic. He looked like a little Makar out there, the way he was moving. So I have high hopes for him in the future, so I hope he doesn't doesn't disappoint. And Samuel so- Sovi? Samuel Sovi? I pronounce it Savoy, but Savoy? Savoy? we're probably all wrong. We'll find out eventually. You know what I liked about him is he looked like a little Andrew Shaw out there on the ice, but he's out. He's He got cut. He didn't make the team. But – Somewhere down the line, once again, I think he will be out there. That is his role. He's out there to be like in Andrew Shaw. I mean, that's what they got him for. I mean, that's what he was deemed to be. So he's another guy who got cut. Those are like the four biggest roster cuts that I've seen so far. If there's any others that I missed, you can let me know. But no, yeah. you you nailed you nailed the big four. Um, I do think I'm stunned. That Reichel's going to the AHL? I am stunned. But I agree with it. I don't. I I don't know. The reason I do is because this team is going to suck. They're going to be brutal. And nobody listens to me. Nobody listens to me, and it pisses me off. But they are going 
to suck. I agree. They are going to be just as bad, if not worse, than the Coyotes. I don't get how anybody can look at the two rosters. What, because you see Patrick Kane? They might trade him. And also, like, Kane has looked the part this season, but the puck hasn't gone in the net for him. And I'm and listen, that's not all Kane's fault. I'm not saying Kane is falling off a cliff or anything like that. But, like, what is Kane really supposed to do with Max Domi and Tyler Johnson? You know? Or even if he plays with Taves, what confidence am I supposed to have in Taves? And, you know, Jones is really good on the power play. He's going to make nice quarterbacking plays. You know, I'm not too worried about Seth Jones's production this season, but $9.5 for the next eight years, that's tragic. And that's a bad situation to put a developing young center in. We've seen guys like Nolan Patrick, you know, these guys, when they're not, when they're still developing, and you put them in a situation like that, they flame out. Do you guys want Lucas Reichel to flame out? Fine, let's call him up and have him play with Domi. When he could play with someone like Gutman, you know, who's not going to be an NHL player. I know he scored a goal. Everyone thinks he's going to be like this sick NHL player. He might be a fourth liner, but like playing with Gutman in the AHL is probably better than playing with a Domi or something in the NHL. That yeah, that's just be. my opinion. And. They're going to go to Rockford and he's going to dominate. Everything that happens in Rockford offensively is going to go through Reichel. And yeah, it'd be nice to see him play with Taves and Kane. He's clearly one of their best nine forwards. And that's why I say I'm stunned that the Blackhawks did it. But after doing some deep thinking about it, I wrote it in my article. I was like, if they're surprising but smart moves in my opinion, I they'll call him up when they make trades. And I think, I think if they call him up in January or February – and he plays on a bad team down the stretch, it won't be as detrimental to his development. For one, he'll have four months of AHL dominance under his belt. And two, it'll be expected that the team stinks at that point. In training camp, every player thinks their team has a chance going in. They don't look at it the way we do. They don't think about it critically. Every team has a chance, technically speaking, going into the regular season. But with a guy like Reichel, I, I just don't get why you wouldn't want him fermenting in the AHL and bring him up next year if you have Bedard or Fantilli, right? I, I, like, I just – I think the world of Reichel, I think it was one of the last good things Stan Bowman did for this team was make that draft choice. He's an outstanding player. He's going to go dominate. Buy your Rockford Icehawks tickets. They're going to be 10 times more fun to watch than the Blackhawks this season. Um, I just – I can't believe they burned his entry-level deal last year, and that's another thing that mystifies me. I cannot believe they let him play a 10th game for them to send him down at the beginning of this season. And I said it last year. You don't burn his contract. You just don't do it. And that's why, right now, I'm so freaking happy that they sent away Korchinski and Savoy. See you guys next year. See you at training camp. Go dominate your OHL teams and your WHL teams and your USH or whatever it is, the the other one, the QMJHL, the three OH, the three CHL. Yeah. Um, yeah, go dominate there. Have 100 points from the blue line, Korchinski. We'll see you next year. We're not going to let anybody convince us to make you play 10 games this season and waste your entry-level contract. Yeah, no. None of that. <laughs> None of that. But the only difference with Savoy – and Korchinski is they only had two options. It was either be sent to their junior team or play in the NHL. 
yeah. they're not on the type of contract. They're not. I don't. I don't know what makes you eligible to play in the AHL. I think it's age. Could be. I think it's something to do with age. Like Korchinski just wouldn't be able to play for the Ice Hawks. Right. He's obligated to either be in the NHL or the CHL, whatever his junior team is. I forget what his junior team is. For yeah, some reason, I don't, I don't have that memorized. I normally have these guys' junior teams memorized. But, yeah. Lucas Reichel, though, it was a shocking bit of news. But after thinking about it critically – and it's the same thing with Soderblom. Soderblom could easily come up and get shelled and make everybody think he stinks in the NHL. Why, though? Go play in the AHL, play well, and be ready next year when this team has a more developed Vlasic. And Korchinski probably makes the team next year. And maybe you bring in a couple free agents to help the young guys grow and stuff like that. So, I don't know. I I actually really think Kyle Davidson's doing a good job. Yeah, he is. I'm, I'm surprised. You're, oh, yeah. I kind of am, too. Because it started off a little funky, but they're they're clearly tanking. I mean, they traded Debrinket, they traded Doc, Soderblom's in the A. Oh, that's another thing. What if Reichel comes up and is like good enough to keep them from being the worst team in the division? Are we giving up Bedard so that he develops here instead of there? I just I, I literally think there's no good that can come from this team exceeding expectations this season because still exceeding expectations isn't going to get you anywhere other than like sixth in the division. So maybe I just think about it differently, but I want Bedard in Chicago very bad. And I think Staylock and Mrazek are the key to that. I mean, if they get Bedard, that'd be pretty sick. Then they're set. I mean, they're not set. There would still be more work to do. They need a long, like, you need to find out if Soderblom or Camesso are the goalie of the future. If they're not, you need to identify that quickly. All signs point, like, to that being a possibility, but it's not a guarantee. One of them could come up, start hot, get hurt, and then stink for a minute there, and then we have to wait till next year, like Blackwood. You know, there, there's all sorts of things that can happen with goalies. You have to identify something. And with the defenseman, Korchinski's, I mean, he's a big kid that skates like a small kid. Mm-hmm. And he's fast and he's skilled and I'm excited about him. And then I really like Nazar. I love Nazar. Yeah, he's going to college, so we're not going to see him for a minute. But they'll develop him. They'll develop him just fine. So that's my take on what the Blackhawks did, sending everybody down. Yeah. Uh, the Devils made some roster cuts too, but it's all stuff we expect. Um, Taylor Hall's hurting out for a while. What's your takeaway? Yeah, that is, uh, that's not too good. He's week to week with an upper body injury. So, I mean, that's a 60-point score you got that's gone for right now. And the this is really going to, put a lot of pressure on the Bruins forward depth. Um, I heard that uh, Pavel Zaka may replace him on the line with Krejci and Pasternak. That's what Jim Montgomery was yeah, saying. No, yeah. It's an uh, all Czech line. Yeah. Um, he just really likes that they're all from Czech and they all grew up with like the same, uh, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? But yeah. They all looked up to Eliash growing up. So, 
We'll see. I mean, it's definitely a big blow. You don't want to lose a 60-point score anytime, especially with, you know, there's a lot of negative vibes surrounding the Bruins, I feel like, this year. Do you get that same feeling? Yes, because Marshan's hurt till November. McAvoy's out for a while. Grizzlick is out for a while. Taylor Hall's week to week. Bergeron had to have his hair pulled to come back. Krejci's coming back after being gone for an entire season. Like, yeah, the fact that Krejci missed all of last year playing in the Czech Republic is mystifying to me. I think the world of McAvoy, I think he's right there with Fox, McCarr. Like, he's a top five defenseman. There's no doubt he's a top five defenseman. And so th- they have that going for them. And I think Pasternak's elite. But it all, a lot of it, well, not a lot of people are high on Swayman. I am. I think Swayman's a good goalie. But they also have a new coach. So it's a new system. And there's a lot of uncertainty yeah. with the Bruins. M- to me, it's more uncertainty than negativity. But that uncertainty can turn into negativity. Very quickly. It, it could, could also turn into them being the same old Bruins who are a lock to be top three in the Atlantic division every single year. I think next year is going to be a scary time for the Bruins. Uh... Yeah. Cause what if Bergeron Krejci both retire, which is possible. And now you're down your top two centers. You still have Pasternak and Marshan who are a hundred point wingers. And you still have McAvoy who's a Norris trophy type defenseman. You see, we'll see what we get in Swayman this year, but I'm very surprised that the Bruins weren't more in on Jack Eichel. I thought they'd be a player for him. And I would have given up a lot to get him because he's a Boston kid. You know, he's going to give you your full effort. I mean, I'll never forget. You remember Brian John? Mm -hmm. Brian John and I used to watch hockey at ECC all the time. And I remember we watched a beanpot game in the gamer section at ECC. And it was a beanpot game between BU and BC and Jack Eichel was playing in it. And I, I'll, I remember thinking like, what if the Bruins got this kid? And obviously he ended up with Buffalo. He was going to go to whoever came in second in that lottery. Cause McDavid went one, but yeah, that was, that was an interesting time, but you know, the Bruins I'm the same way. So Frank, is there a story in the NHL right now? that just makes you giddy. There's a story in the NHL that I think needs to be talked about that doesn't necessarily make me giddy because there was really none that I could find that was like, oh, yeah, this is a good story. But I think like a huge news story that's going to put a damper on like some of our predictions we made is Cam Talbot's going to miss five to seven weeks. There go the Senators right there. I take back everything I said about the Ottawa Senators. Um, I don't think there's really any chance of a surprise from them. Forsberg's their number one. They claimed Magnus Hellberg off waivers. Like, seriously? It's just, it spells trouble. I think they're going to have a little bit of a tough time with Talbot where they had the chance of surprise. Now I think you're missing nearly two months. That That's tough. That's really tough. So. Do you still think they're going to be exciting? Because I do. I don't. I Their mean, skaters I think, are still going to be sick. Yeah, but they're how? I mean, I guess in that terms, yeah, they'll be exciting. I guess, but it's fun to watch. Yeah, I guess. I don't think they're going to make. They might not make the playoffs though. Oh, I, I don't agree. know if I had them in the playoffs anyway. I didn't have you them. In didn't. The playoffs. You didn't. No. I didn't either. 
And I, now and now like, I don't think they'll come close, but I still think Stute's a lot. You know how hard and, it is to make up ground, just like oh, we, we always talk yeah. about. So when you're like you're going two months without your top goalie, that's tough. That's really really tough. I completely agree. Let me be very clear. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I think losing Talbot's a huge blow. I just do think still with Debrinket, who's going to sign an extension by yeah, the Yeah, I heard about that from uh, which Kevin Weeks. Crazy, but, you know, I didn't really expect it, but I'm kind of happy about it because I'd rather him play there and we get to enjoy Ottawa because we're kind of bonding over Ottawa, you and I. We yeah. each get a, a jersey or a shirt and wear them to parties. I think that'd be fun. <laughs> but – Debrinket, Stutzla, Giroux, Kachuk, Batherson, Norris. I mean, they a shot. They got good. They got good skaters, and I think they're going to be an exciting team. And listen, sometimes those teams that trade chance for chance, they score a lot of goals but give up a million goals. Everyone's going to be like, "Oh, I got to tune into the Ottawa Senators game. They're fun to watch." They, you know, uh, when they play the Oilers, McDavid's going to be able to go off like a king because he's not facing real great goaltending competition, but at the same time, the Oilers are going to give up their chances to Ottawa, and it's just going to be an exciting game to watch. Like, that that's how I take Ottawa right now, but that's a very interesting point you brought up there about their goaltending. Yeah, and, you know, if I'm an Ottawa fan and I lived in Ottawa or grew up being a Senators fan, I'm livid right now because I have the bias that we got Giroux, we got uh, Debrinket, we got Talbot, we got Stutzla. We got Shabbat. Maybe we can contend for the playoffs. And now if I'm an Ottawa fan, it's like all those hopes and dreams for the season just went out the window, in my opinion. You're not going to make a run with Anton Forsberg and yeah. Magnus Helberg off waivers. I agree. Um, that's interesting. My story is one that I wrote it down because it was a discussion between former co-host of this show and we'll still call him a current co-host of this show, Joey Parisi. We debated 50 goal scorers in the NHL, and there's a lot of talk surrounding Alexander Ovechkin going into the season, and, of course, Austin Matthews, who scored 60 last season. I ask you, Frank, who are your locks to score 50 goals, and who are your guys that are capable of scoring 50 goals this season? Okay, so I have three guys who I think are going to get to 50. Okay? That it being Austin Matthews, Leon Dreisaitl, and Kirill Kaprizov. Yes. Those are my three that I think are going to score 50. Ovechkin, he's one of the guys that are capable of doing it, but I think we're going to see a little bit of regression. I don't think he's going to get 50 this year. Um... Obviously, McDavid is capable of scoring 50, right? Like, he's capable of doing pretty much anything in the NHL. Um, Kreider's not going to get 50. I don't even think he's capable of getting it again. I think that was a complete fluke. So, yeah, I, I would have those. I would have McDavid and Ovechkin are the guys that are capable, and Kaprizov, Dreisaitl, and Matthews are the guys that are going to do it. Wow. Okay. Well, I think... I do think Ovechkin is going to. I think he'll end on 50 again because he always just seems to end on 50. Um, I think Dryside will get 52, 53. I think Matthews will get 55, 56. Um, he'll put he'll make it interesting for 60 again, but uh Kaprizov I'll I'll put into the capable. So I got my three locks, Ovechkin, Dryside, 
Matthews. I think Kaprizov is capable. I think McDavid is capable. This actually might be the year he does it. And like you said, when he doesn't score 50, it's because he made too many passes and they went in because he's McDavid. But if he wanted, if he went into the season saying, I want to score 50, I'm shooting more, he'll score 50. There's no doubt in my mind. But um, I, Kaprizov for sure. I'm going to put Pasternak in the mix. I absolutely think Pasternak can score 50. And you're going to think I'm crazy. I think um, Matthew Kachuk can score 50. Wow. If he plays all season long with Barkov, wow. and Florida kind of needs that from him, That's I crazy. think he's capable of doing it. Um, I just think the sky's the limit for him with Florida. Um, I think Florida takes a step back, but at the same time, Kachuk is awesome and he's going to be motivated. He's going to be excited. Barkov is elite. And I think Kachuk has a chance and I'm not going to be as disrespectful to Kreider as you are either. He has a chance to, he literally did it. So anybody who really did it, it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't a fluke. He, He didn't, you know, he didn't have a extremely high career shooting. Like his shooting percentage wasn't so much over his career norm that it's like, wow, he got lucky. Like he had a similar shooting percentage to his typical career numbers. He just, he hung around the net a lot more because I think having Panarin and Zabanajad around makes it where he has to do less of the, the grinding for the puck, which allows him to just camp in front of the net. And he scores a lot of bang, bang goals. It's like when Crosby scores 50, they're all from within three feet of the net. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, I, I do think Kreider's capable, and I think Zabanajad is capable. I just don't think he will. But Zabanajad doesn't have one under his belt like Kreider does. So that's my take on the 50-goal scorers. An interesting take. Absolutely. So, Frank, your National Football League notes from the weekend. By the way, Kreider being 31 years old, that's just you, – you get to 50 goals when you're 31. That's like – you do that when you're in your like early twenties. Like you just don't automatically just become a fifty goal scorer when you're thirty, and just be yeah. oh well now he's gonna do it again. No, that's why I think it was I, freaky that it happened I will so say, late in his career. This is the first time in his career that he's had the offense around him. I guess he, he's the fifth best offensive player on his team now. There was a time where he was like the first or second. Yeah. So it's like yeah. when Phil Kessel went to the uh, Penguins, and all of a sudden he started having. 50 assists it wasn't all goals for him why was that well because he was playing with Malkin and Crosby and Hagelin and Benino and you know Rust all those great Penguins teams from back then so I kind of feel the same way about Kreider I don't think he's going to get to 50 again but I'm not gonna a year later say he's not capable fair so I asked you your NFL notes from the weekend yeah my NFL notes so Eagles are four uh 4-0 they're the only undefeated team left in the league. They look good. They look sure good. Do. Bears are cooked. But, yeah, I mean. Fields, I, I I don't think Fields is the answer. I went into the season saying I still have faith in Fields. I don't know. I might be changing my mind again. He just doesn't look good out there. He needs to learn to move more when you have the ball. He, does to, he doesn't have good awareness. I don't like how he gets tackled and 
when he runs, it always seems like he gets hit weird. And I don't know. It's just he's not the answer. I think they need to invest in a different quarterback, to be honest with you, which breaks my heart because I love Justin Fields. But from an organization and a fan point of view, I don't like his attitude either. That comment he made about the fans is still rubbing me the wrong way. Stupid comment. So, Bills keep chugging. They're down 20 to 3, score 20 unanswered points, win 23 to 20. Still think they're going 15 and 2. They're on the right, right there. So, um, I was wrong about the Dolphins. Dolphins are good. Now that two is gone, though, it's going to hurt them a little bit. Go 500 with Bridgewater. I'm higher on Bridgewater than you, but go 500 with Bridgewater. I'll be fine. I'm out on the Vikings. I was never in on the Vikings, but now I'm really out on the Vikings. They just don't they don't look good either. They don't look good. Or 28 points. But then you you say the same thing about the Packers, how they're lucky, but they score 27 points. And you the, the way you say is Vikings like the, have beat the Vikings only losses to the Eagles. They can't the Packers the team that's over 500. <laughs> the Packers went against the Vikings and got killed. They killed the Bears who you just shit on. They beat Buccaneers without their top three receivers by two. And then last time they got us a, a, a overtime lucky ass win against Zap. Talk to me about the Packers. They suck too. And... Maybe they both suck, but they're both three and one. But the Viking schedule lightens up. They're going to be seven and one. And then Frankie's still going to go, I'm still out on them. We'll see who they beat until they beat a reasonable opponent. Green Bay. They weren't 500 or they weren't above 500. All right. I want to see them like beat the Eagles. Then we'll talk. I don't think they play the Eagles, but. They did. They lost. Oh, that was their loss to the Eagles. Yeah. Their one loss was to the best team in the NFC. All right. Well, they see. I don't oh. think they're, I don't think they're like this elite team. I, don't I know. think I'm they are the the NF, their best team in the NFC North. That's all I ever said about Listen, the Dolphins. I changed my mind about the Dolphins. I wasn't sure about the Dolphins, and I'm in on the Dolphins, but I can't I can't change the way I feel about the Vikings yet. All right. I respect it. And my last note of the week, Vegas gets their first win. It's about damn time. About damn Broncos time. look stinky still, man. No, oh. I don't know, VP. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. See, they have, they're having trouble scoring. Yeah, they scored against the Raiders, but I mean that's not hard to do. That that's the problem. See, I I feel the way about the Broncos that I that you do about the Vikings. They were a tough three and one team, yeah. right? But or they were the Broncos are three and two now, or no? No, they're, they're two and two. Two and two. They're two and two. Okay, they are a bad two and two. They're in first place in their division. They're tied for first in their division. And I do think that I, I picked them to uh, be a wild card team. And I yeah. still think that. But I'm close to not thinking that. I'm closer to flipping on them than the Vikings. I'm not flipping on the Vikings. They're three and one. They scored 28 <laughs> points in freaking London. And they beat the Saints, who are formidable. They're not great. They're not one and three. But they put together a hard fought game against Tampa Bay and came up just short. They easily could have won that game. Like, I'm not out on New Orleans. I don't think they're going to make playoffs, but I don't think they're bad. 
I think the Vikings have two quality wins and their one loss is to the disgusting, um, the disgustingly good Eagles, but the Broncos, they just, they can't score when they're in the red zone. I don't get it. Like everything that, everything that I thought about the Broncos has been correct, except for Russell Wilson. Their offense has just been not good. He's been brutal though. Like I thought, I thought, it was a Stafford and Rams situation, except Stafford played well. Russell Wilson hasn't played well yet. I still think if Russell Wilson finds a way they to play, they don't have well, a ton of offensive talent though either. They they do. They have an offensive line, and their receivers are guys who you nobody just knows about them yet. Yeah, and that's Russell the Wilson and Russell Wilson has just been awful but they can't score against good defenses like the 49ers who have a good defense. Yeah. They had five points in the third quarter. I know. I they know. scored against the Raiders because the Raiders don't have a good defense. They're always playing shootouts against the Chargers or the Cardinals or whoever they're playing because they don't yep. have a defense. But when they play a good defense, they can't score. Yep. The fact that they scored, though, and listen, the Raiders gave them the game of their life because they were starting 0-4 if they didn't. And I do believe that has something to do with it. I do. But – the fact that their offense played a little bit better this week gives me hope for the future with the Broncos. But I I, I just I wonder early in the season, because the Rams struggled at the beginning of last year too. I'm pretty sure they were three and three. And same thing with the Bengals. They were three and three. And then they won eight straight. I'm not saying they're gonna win eight straight and be this great team, but we still I still I'm still learning about the league. Uh, the Colts play someone tomorrow. Who is Isn't it? Isn't it the Broncos? It might be the Broncos. The Colts announced that Jonathan Taylor's out, so they're really effed. Oh, another team. I'm I'm in on the Jaguars. I think yeah. they're a, I think they're a top I ten. Think they're team. okay. Yeah. They're like nine or ten, in my opinion. That's... Like they're like they lost. They they lost, but they had a fourteen nothing lead on those Eagles. They do play the Colts. Yeah. I'm going to pick the Broncos in that game, I think. If they lose tomorrow, I'm really out on the Broncos. At home against the team without Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I might be too. I might be too. But the second I go out on them, they'll win eight straight. Then they'll win the division. (laughs) That's what I'm worried about. Oh, nobody's winning that division but the Chiefs. Yeah, no. Dude, the Buccaneers played good. Listen. Patrick Mahomes started off bad last year, remember? And Joey was shitting on Mahomes, how he's not yeah, good. Or he's he's Patrick Mahomes stinks. He is not having a slow start this season. No, not at all. And again, the Buccaneers played good. They did. Tom Brady had 350 passing yards. Yeah. That's 100 more than Mahomes had. But Mahomes does those little things, like that little flick touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he was throwing a dart. Like, what yeah. up, guys? I'm at timeout playing some darts. And like, hey, maybe we should get them to go to timeout. I'm down, but like, I just the Chiefs are so good that they made the Buccaneers look like dog shit in a game yeah. that the Buccaneers played well. Truly, honestly. yeah. Like, oh, I, I like, I just don't know. Again, the the Bucks are really good. I wouldn't let this loss by Kansas City influence them. Now they have film on them. If they meet up in the Super Bowl, we know how Tom does against teams when he plays them a second time. But they have three cupcakes coming up, the Buccaneers. So they easily could go from two to two to five and two. But we'll see what happens. I'm really enjoying the NFL season. I I, I don't have it all figured out yet, though. 
there's still a lot to learn. There's still a lot of questions and concerns. And yeah, I'm concerned about the bills. I have one problem with the bills. One big problem with the bills. Let's hear it. When Josh Allen isn't the run running the football, they don't have a running game. It's true. Like they need to figure out their running back situation and their uh, rushing offense quickly. Otherwise, they're going to be in trouble. I don't see. I don't see how they beat the Chiefs in the playoffs as of right now. I don't. As it stands, they make right the now, playoffs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll win their division. But in the playoffs, I think if you're trading offensive blow for offensive blow with the Chiefs, the Chiefs take it. They'll make the the second to last mistake, not the last mistake. But I still think they go 15 and two. Possible. The thing is, for all the good teams now, the schedule lightens up because the NFL purposely pins them all against each other early to create intrigue around the league. And that's something people don't understand. You notice how we're saying that for every team. Now they got three cupcakes coming up. Yeah. They NFL wants all these people playing against each other early so that the races are tight to start off so everybody's tuned in. And now a team like the Colts, who's predicted by everyone to win this division, they have to mount this like crazy comeback, right? They're, they played all these good teams early. They lost most of them. Now if they want to win the division, they have to come back. The Jaguars, they, they're hot to start. You know, the NFL schedule makers know what they're doing when it comes to construction of who's playing who early. All right. Um, is there anything else you got in the NFL as we head into this week five? I haven't looked over week five yet, So, I, besides the Broncos and the Colts, but uh, I know the Bears play the Vikings. Boy, would that be luscious if the Bears won. Yeah, no shot. The, it would even make me more out on the Vikings. <laughs> the Packers have another cupcake coming up too because guess who they freaking play? In London. Who is it? The Daniel Jones list. New York football giants, Saquon Barkley running the Wildcat Giants get to play the Packers. Maybe the Giants make an upset. I just can't with this team. Green Bay with their luck. I mean. The three and one Giants though. Yeah. That's the worst three and one team I've ever seen. They might go undefeated the rest of the way. You never know. 16 and one. The fact that they're three and one. Oh, no, the Eagles are in their division. Never mind. They're trashed. They're done. If they end up 4-13, and 13, I wouldn't be surprised. Wow. No respect for the Giants. No respect for the Giants. They suck. Oh, oh they beat the Bears with, without their quarterback. That just goes to show how putrid the Bears are. But I'm excited for this Sunday, though, because I'm going to be in Wisconsin, and the Packers play at 8 a.m. I'm going to a breakfast or I'm going to eat breakfast at a place that will have the game on in Wisconsin, surrounded by all these cheese heads. I'm going to be very excited to root for the Giants in Packer land. Yeah, you're going to be hated. (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love it. Frank, Major League Baseball is heating up. You and I just pre-recorded Crosstown Crosstalk that everybody can catch tomorrow at 2 p.m. Central Time 3 p.m. Eastern time. Frank and I went over what happened with Aaron Judge this week. Albert Pujols hitting his 700th home run and not stopping there. A rest in peace to the White Sox and the Cubs. The Seattle Mariners clinching the playoffs for the first time in 21 years. The Philadelphia Phillies ending the National League's longest playoff drought. You can tune in and catch it all right here on this network tomorrow at 2 p.m. Frank, 
What do you say we send it over to America's favorite podcast segment of the week, Breaking Bets? Where's my money, bitch? Frank, help the people make some money. This is going to be a slower week just because baseball's over right now. I have no picks for tonight because every single game of the regular season left is going on right now as we speak. So there's no baseball games tonight. However, there is a college football game tonight that was moved from October 1st. SMU and UCF. That's going to be the highlight of the sports night. Besides some football, hockey, and preseason NBA is going on. And but I only got one pick. I guess a a pick you could take is you could take the Mariners winning the series against the Blue Jays. I don't know what the odds are. They're going to be plus because they're on the road. So whatever that is, you could take that. I don't know what the odds are. I haven't looked. Odds for the individual games hasn't come out yet because pitching matchups haven't come out come out yet. So I can't even predict about like postseason baseball so all i got is one pick for you today and that is smu money line they're two and a half point underdogs it's plus 120 the money line if you want to take the two and a half points i usually don't like taking the points if it's less than three because like okay if are you gonna lose by two it's hard to lose by two or one just the way the scoring is set up i mean it happens but i rather just take the money line so money line is plus 120 for smu they've had two tough losses one against TCU, who are ranked, their ranked team, and the other against Maryland, who has a very good team. They're four and one. Maryland's got a very good team. And I think that SMU doesn't get enough credit for those losses, but those were like very difficult teams to beat. And I think this is a really good spot to bounce back and beat UCF, which UCF is known for playing high scoring games. I do think SMU could outscore UCF. UCF doesn't have many impressive wins this season. They're very mediocre. I think this is a great spot that SMU takes the cake. So go Mustangs. Uh, SMU Moneyline plus 120. That's what I got for you. It's kind of a dry day. Hey, that that's what it is. This is a base or a hockey show. We don't have hockey in full force yet. Baseball is just about done in the regular season. Um, every game's going on right now, as you mentioned. Um, the White Sox are getting killed nine to nothing as we speak. They're gonna end the season. 500 they were, a, they were a favorite too were they i, I don't get why they they <laughs> everyone was on the bench for the most part Eloy abreu davis martin made the start and davis martin's been good this season but uh, i i didn't like the white Sox in this game at all i honestly wish i knew they were favored i would have bet the twins um they the mlb season as we mentioned came into full force finish um on wednesday I highly encourage everybody to watch Crosstown Crosstalk. It was a great episode with Frank and I, and the rest of the Barroom Network has the Bulls coming up. We've got this show getting into full force, heading into hockey season. There's a lot of excitement around with what's going on with the NHL. It's great times. Uh, Mr. Joey Parisi has two tickets already purchased to Boston Bruins games in Boston. So that's going to be fun to hear from him. Um, Maybe we'll have him as a guest sometime soon wouldn't that be it's been a while been a while um i like what we got going on at the network here right now though barroom has football 
football in full basketball. force. Basketball's coming back. I know Frankie's going to be covering basketball and breaking bets all season long. And this is the best place to tune in for it. Frank, do you have anything for the beautiful people as we head on out of here? Is science fiction tonight? It is on Thursdays or Wednesdays? I thought it was Wednesday. Maybe it is Wednesday. Make sure you tune into Science Fiction. Those guys are awesome. They know what they're talking about, too. Uh, yeah, I'm excited because... Black Panther? That that trailer was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I watched the new trailer. Watch She-Hulk. You're running out of time. You got to watch it before... No, I'll watch She-Hulk. I'm not worried about catching up on She-Hulk. They're the very episode. short episodes. They're, they're like short. Clone Wars. Yeah, I'm going like to be able to roll through yeah, I'm going to be able to roll through She-Hulk. It's going to be easy. Um, I'm kind of glad I got a couple to watch in a row, too. So we'll see what happens there. Tomorrow's episode eight. Yeah, well. <laughs> More than a couple. Yeah, true. Um, but, yeah, is there anything else you're excited about watching this weekend? Survivor tonight. Yeah, Survivor tonight. I leave for Christmas Mountain in 20 minutes. Do you really? Yeah. <laughs> So I'm getting ready to go up there. Going to have a little little relaxing weekend. One last relaxing weekend before the MLB, well, during the wild card round, but really before the playoffs kick off, end of baseball season, regular season. I've made 150 put on your socks videos. I think they're That's about, great. I missed the week we were in Door County. And then there were one or two where I was sick and Joe did it for me. So I would say I did about 150. And the last one is in a couple minutes here when this White Sox game is over. They'll finish 500, which is ultimately what they deserve. But, man, what a year it's been. We're ready for hockey, though. It's yep, hockey season now. It's hockey, here. Sure. It it's here. here. I've the watched some preseason. Season, the regular season starts Sunday. Mm-hmm. We're going to miss two games from our fantasy league. Yeah. Because which, why are we doing fantasy after the regular season starts? Because most people are because – we're missing that first game. We're missing the ones overseas. Yeah. That happens sometimes. You know, when the league starts with, while well, preseason still going on. There are preseason games that day. Yeah. So that's the fault of nobody except the NHL schedule makers. It's just the Sharks and the Predators. So when you draft Yossi or Saros, you're going to lose like one game from them. But it's not that big of a deal. But... That's our show. I hope everybody enjoyed Dan Rice, and we can't thank him enough for coming on what yeah, feels like 10 hours ago. Um, Frankie and I went over the Metropolitan Division, who we think is going to score each. And if you're just tuning in now to the live version, you could uh, follow along via Apple, Spotify, go back and watch it on YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter Live, Twitch, any place you could watch live programming pretty much for the most part. My favorite is YouTube, personally. I'm a big YouTube guy. I use YouTube on the TV and my computer pretty much every single day. So got a big weekend coming up sports-wise, and I'm very excited to be a part of it while relaxing in Wisconsin. And, Frank, I can't thank you enough for appearing on both shows today. It's been my absolute pleasure. And for those watching at home, make sure you follow at the King Bean on Twitter. That's Frankie Mueller at the King Bean on Twitter. And make sure you read all of his work at apptrigger.com covering video games. I know the sweet soundtrack just came out for the NHL 23 video game, and Frankie went over that. There, One of my Mount Rushmore bands, A Day to Remember, is on the soundtrack. Very exciting news. Of course, I am at Vinny Parisi. Vinny Parisi doing all the work for – 
the Blackhawks at the Windy City, the New Jersey Devils at Pucks and Pitchforks, MLB, NHL, NFL, NBA, across all of my platforms. You can find it all on my Twitter at VinnyParisi.com. And as I already mentioned, make sure you listen to all the great shows on the Barroom Network. As always, thank you for listening.